There's somebody close by to you before you take your seat tonight. Praise the Lord. God is good. Praise the Lord. Well, we um, did a one Wednesday in late July on this and got caught up a little bit last week because, you know, when you have gaps between uh, connected messages, you, you need to do a little review to catch everybody up. But, but we are ministering along the lines of the prayer of faith and specifically when it comes to um, having confidence toward God. And uh, so we'll, we'll just go ahead and uh, relay that foundation that we got started real quick. But if you wanted to go back and listen, besides last week, which was part two, we did a first part back in July on the 19th. So if you wanted to go ahead and check that out, listen to it all together, when you get it all in context, you can maximize what you're getting out of it. But uh, I, I believe that th- this will be a blessing tonight, and uh, you know uh, m- my trust is in the Lord to be able to to uh, uh, get the rest of this out, especially to impart uh, a, a spirit of confidence in us when it comes to praying, and that's why we took so much time, especially on the foundation layer of coming into His presence, and uh, and and the fact that. Um, we, we didn't just jump into the asking right away. We're going to get to the asking part tonight. But, but we, we want to lay the foundation of what would qualify you to be able to go before Almighty God to begin with. What would qualify little old me to be able to stand in the presence of God? And so those are some of the things we've gotten into. We'll hit a few highlights of that before we move on to what we got for tonight. But our main scriptures... Uh, first of all, James 5, and to start with verse 13. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And uh, some of the things that we uh, commented on in regards to this verse uh, was, first of all, it was not the elders of the church that saved the sick. And it wasn't even the oil that they got anointed with that saved the sick. The Bible clearly states the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if you thought, well, then only the elders of the church must uh, be able to pray that prayer. And and Joe, church member, or or Sherry, church member, would not be able to do so. But then we see verse 16, where it says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and of course that's a reference to mankind, men and women, avails much. The Amplified Classic of that says, it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this prayer of faith is what we're talking about, and it is not limited to the elders of the church. It is not limited to uh, even just praying for the sick alone. You can pray the prayer of faith in other areas as well. But, but uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, a little bit more of the dynamics of the prayer of faith and what the Bible says about praying in faith. But uh, uh, it's interesting to note that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So if only we could attain that, then we could have an effective prayer life. And you know what you can do to obtain that? Absolutely nothing. 
We cannot attain to righteousness. There's nothing you can do to get it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it, and we looked it up last week in the book of Titus where it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, (laughs) but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So uh, that's a powerful verse. I believe that's Titus 3, 5, and that lays out something to us, the importance of uh, the, uh, the, the fact that it's not our works of righteousness that has saved us. It's his mercy that saved us. So you being righteous is not based on your works because there's no works we could ever do to get there. There's no works that we could ever do, uh, that we could ever do to attain such a status. The great thing is that when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus, God gave you his own status. Hallelujah. I said God gave you his own status. And that righteousness is a gift of God. And we're so grateful for the fact that when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus, that righteousness is imparted to us. Literally, the scripture says that righteousness is imputed to us. And Pastor John has actually taught over the years regarding that being an accounting term. Where the the imputing has to do with what column that goes in. (laughs) And he actually put righteousness in our column on the on the accounting sheet. There was no way that we could have ever attained that. But God imputed or accounted our faith in him to us as righteousness. And when we placed our faith in him, he made sure that there was righteousness accounted to us. Or you might say it like this, righteousness in your account. Hallelujah. Now, let's go ahead and read another verse that, uh, that we've looked at. And, and this also is continuing to, to lay the foundation of having confidence toward God. Uh, righteousness, obviously, is a big part of that. To, to be able to come before him with that, with, with that knowing inside that, that I have no status with God except the, the fact that Jesus shed his blood for me. On my worst day, I have no standing before God apart from the blood. On my best day, I have no standing before God <laughs> apart from the blood. So here, here's the thing in our mind, we think if we have a real bad day that that it's like we think, well, Lord, let me go clean up a little bit before I go to the throne room. But, but where else are you going to go to clean up? You can't go anywhere to clean up. That's why the invitation goes out to come boldly before the throne of grace that you would obtain uh, mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And I like to say it like this. If you need mercy, you need grace, you need help, and you're in the time of need, then you qualify for that invitation. Have you ever found yourself in that position before? I won't look, but I can tell you I have. I'll raise both hands on that one. All right. But First John 3, I want to talk a little bit about this confidence toward God, the confidence in approaching him and how important it is in prayer. My little children, this is First John 3, verse 18. We'll start there. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So when you come before God, 
we are not coming before God. Um, uh, well, well I, I should say it like this. You can actually potentially come before God two different ways. You can come before God with, with, with a heart that is condemning you. Or you can come before God uh, without condemnation in your heart. But the thing is, is that if you do have, if your heart is condemning you, and, and uh, you, you still don't have anywhere else to go but to him, because he's, he's the only override to that. Are you with me? That's why it says God is greater than our heart and knows all things. He's the only one that can override that overrule that hallelujah and, and and declare you as being uh clean as being right and as being in in right standing and good standing to come before the throne of god hallelujah so god can overrule and um and, and he, he can uh uh, uh he, he can take pressing over that condemnation in our heart because he knows all things. I love the scripture because Lord knows it. You know, I, I've applied this verse to me a few times in my life, more than a few. I'm, I'm so glad that he remembers that we are but dust. You know, I, that, that God is sensitive to the fact that, that we are uh, made of dust, uh, prone to uh, error, prone to making mistakes. And, and that he has a, a sensitivity and an awareness about that. And, and, and therefore, he knows all things. So when you did that thing that you weren't supposed to do, and, and you said that thing that you weren't supposed to say, God is so merciful and aware of the fact of not just what you said, but he understands the situation that led up to you doing that or saying that. Does he excuse it? No. No, God doesn't excuse it. God, God is, has a standard and he maintains and upholds his standard. But the thing about it is that God has a, uh, an, an understanding about us where when we fall, he doesn't fall off his throne and say, oh, myself, look at what they did. Are you, are you glad about that? He's not shocked by that. Uh, and, and so thank God for the for the wonderful heart that he has towards us and that he is ready to overrule and um, take precedent over the condemnation that's in our heart. But when your heart does not condemn you, when you deal with condemnation in your heart, and one of the ways to do that is especially with the word of God that says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who don't walk after the flesh but after the spirit. Hallelujah. But, but then, in that case, where your heart's not condemning you, what does it say? We have confidence toward God. And, and it says, whatever we ask, we receive of him. Wow, what a statement. Whatever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And as we've said in our previous sessions, before you get too caught up in commandments, it's like, oh boy, have I kept every commandment? He's very clear and specific about the commandments he's talking about when he says, this is his commandment, verse 23, that, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So we're not going to go into that again, but it's very interesting that two things are tied together here. Faith and love. Faith and love. No coincidence. Because actually the scripture says in Galatians 5 verse 6. That neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything in Christ. But faith working through love. The, the original King James Bible says faith working by love. So faith and love are joined together in God and intended to work together. So much to the point where if, if you're, you're driving your faith car 
You, you know what's the gas in the tank of your faith car? Love is. Love is the gas to your faith car. And if you've got something out of love going on, if you've got unforgiveness going on, if you've got bitterness going on, that will hinder your prayer. That will hinder your faith. So it's no coincidence to me that God on purpose would say that whatever you ask, you receive of him. Because you keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And then he's very specific about the commandments he's talking about. Faith and love. Wow. Faith and love. And here's the thing. Faith is something you can do something about. Because when you hear the word, faith comes to you. And if you cooperate with that, you got to cooperate See, the Bible says that the people out in the wilderness, the Israelites, they heard the word just like we did, but they did not mix faith with it when they heard it. They did not cooperate with it. So they heard the same thing, had the opportunity, but they did not believe. You can believe. You can put your faith in God. And always remember when we're talking about having faith in God, we're not talking about just saying, yeah, I believe in God. No, we're talking about you believing with your heart saying with your mouth, but having corresponding actions where your words and your actions are walking in the same direction. Yeah, amen. So thank God for that. Faith and love. And of course, we uh, talked about um, Philemon verse 6. You can put that up for a minute. Um, uh, uh, Out of the King James Bible says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And realizing this, that these things are, these good things that are in you aren't in you because you're cute or you're nice or you're talented or you're special. No, these good things are in you because you're in him. And if the communication of your faith can be effective, the old word effectual, the word more used to the word effective, if the communication of your faith can be effective by acknowledging what is in you in Christ, then it can be ineffective if you fail to acknowledge what is in you in Christ. And this is not talking about what God acknowledges about you. This is talking about what you acknowledge about you. God wants you to acknowledge as true about you the very same thing that he acknowledges as being true about you. In other words, he wants you to agree with him, which is advisable to agree with someone who's right about everything anyway. Come on now. <laughs> but but if, if we get this, this is big, because if we don't acknowledge those things that are in us in Christ, then rather than the communication of our faith being effective, it becomes ineffective. The, the, the reverse, the opposite is true. And of all these things that we have in Christ, the primary thing, the, the bottom line thing that we need to acknowledge that we have in us because we're in Christ is righteousness. Because without that, you have no standing before him. We, we had the little example last week of the... Uh, the, the movie, the, um, uh, the Mission Impossible movie or, or some movie like it where, where the guy's trying to get in the, into the computer before the alarm goes off and, and uh, uh, you know, tries one password and doesn't work and tries the other and doesn't work. But ultimately, somehow he pulls out the right one and puts it in there and says, access granted. Where all the other times it says, access denied, and you heard the buzzer. <laughs> But then, this time, access granted. Well, I want you to know, if there's a password to get granted access to God, it's not, Lord, look at how good I've been. (laughs) No, access denied. (laughs) Lord, uh, uh, you you know, I I paid my tithes last week, and I I helped an old lady across the street. Uh, Access denied. It's good to pay your tithes. 
as good to help out all of God's people, the, the young and the old. But that's not your password. Your password is I have no standing here but by the blood. I put my faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus and I can't get in any other way. And God says, ding, 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 you are absolutely right. Access granted. Hallelujah. Now, um, talk, talk about this. Um, Ephesians 3, if you'd put that up, please. Wow. Uh, Verse 11 says, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom, and that whom is Christ, so in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So let's say it together. In Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. We're going to do it about two more times. Ready? In Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. One more time. In Christ, we have Boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. How often should you do that? Do it till you get it. Do it until it just dawns on you and you say, what? Really? <laughs> because, you, you, you know, you, you might be at the point where you're just like, la, 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 la. No, you ain't got it yet. Well, when you get it, you about ready to have yourself a fit, glory to God, and take yourself a run around the church or run around the parking lot or something. Now, uh, we, we also talked about um, and, and used as an example of the book of Esther and the, the protocol by, by which uh, uh, people could come and approach the king. Those of you who were here last week would remember that. Uh, we, we talked about uh, how nobody could approach the king. Um, well, they, they could try to approach, but, but they couldn't gain access to him unless he lifted up the golden scepter. The golden scepter said, you're welcome. You can come in. If that golden scepter was not raised, the, the penalty was. I mean, that, that was the protocol of the kingdom. And uh, uh, just uh, 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 there was no, no two ways about it. And it applied to Queen Esther just like it applied to everybody else. But when she came before the king and the king raised the golden scepter, it said two things. It said in one point that she drew near to the king. And in another point, it said that she stood before the king. And one thing I said last week, and uh, this is not to diminish worship and bowing down before him, because I got to tell you, I'm ready to do that for, for a billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, however more aliens you can put on it. If, if we do that forever in heaven, man, I got to tell you, we're going to have us a time. But there's something about being able to stand before God, that we have standing before God. That it was his idea to seek his face. Imagine that. To seek his face. That's not our, our idea or our concept. No, that's what he told us to do. Imagine being able to stand before the God, the, the, before God, before the king of the universe. And, uh, and be able to have such amazing access to draw near to him. To be able to stand before him and to be able to behold his beauty. Glory to God. And one thing that we looked at in the book of Hebrews to tie that concept together of well, what does the book of Esther have to do with this? And what does the, the, the scepter that the king raises up have to do with anything? But then we read Hebrews 1 and verse 8. 
And it says, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Hallelujah. And so when we approach him, he raises the scepter before us, except that scepter that he raises up is the scepter of righteousness. It's the scepter that acknowledges us as being righteous. So therefore, you can come in. You are allowed to come in. You are welcome to come in. Me holding up this scepter of righteousness is my signification that you belong right here. You can draw near. You can stand before me. Hallelujah. That needs to turn on somebody's dead battery tonight. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, before we go on, and uh, on with what I really want to get to for tonight, I want to say this to you. That God so wanted to grant us confident access that he made sure we were equipped with the only thing that would cause him to grant us that access. He knew what he was looking for. He knew his own requirement of what it would take for somebody to have confident access to come in before him. That thing is righteousness. And so God saw to it that we did not get righteousness 2.0, generic righteousness. No, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Isaiah says that that, uh, uh, our righteousness is of him. And the scripture says in the New Testament that he has actually given us the gift of of righteousness but that gift of righteousness is his own righteousness it's not another version of it it's the very same righteousness that he's got the standard that needed to be obtained in order for somebody to come before him he gave that to us as a gift why he did not want to keep us out he wanted to uh, us to have access to his presence But he had to do it the right way and the legal way. And he did that through the death and the burial and the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, we're talking about all this confidence and all this access. All right, now we're there. Now we're there. And the theme of confidence continues. 1 John chapter 5. Now we're here before him. We've approached him based on the fact that he gave us his very own righteousness. And now we're going to make requests. And the theme of confidence continues. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we... Ask anything according to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, the very first thing that this verse says. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Once again, that same language, in him, in whom. (laughs) It's, It's all about him. We don't have this on our own. There's no way to have this apart from him. You've got it only because of him. This is the confidence that we have in him. And the first thing he says, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so now, since the theme is confidence, that would tell me that we can approach him knowing what his will is and knowing that we're asking according to his will and that it's not a guessing game. Now, there are times when you don't know what the will of the Lord is. And you go before him because you're seeking him to find out what it is. And that's all right. 
Jesus did that. In, in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying and said, Lord, is there any other way? Father, is, is, is it possible for this cup to pass from me? Is it possible for this job to get done in, by any other means, by any other way? But he said, if not, then not my will, but your will be done. What was he doing? He was yielding himself and consecrating himself dedicating himself to the will of God. And when you don't know what the will of God is and you're seeking him for his will, that's what you do. But with the prayer of faith, you are coming before God, making a request according to his will, which means by some means you already found out what God wanted you to have. Oh, come on now. Well, how do you know? Well, the two number one ways that, that you, you can know the will of God is, first of all, by the written word of God. Absolutely, positively, the written word of God. If he said it in there, you know that you can go to him and say, Lord, I know you want me to have this because you said Because think about this. If God didn't want you to have something, then he should not have said that he wanted you to have it. You know, it's kind of like this. Uh, Bob, I'll pick on you. Because you've been to my house lots of times for for different projects and so on. But, But if we just first met tonight, and I did not want you to come to my house, I would not give you my address. And I would not give you directions either. Not that we need directions in this day. But I definitely want to tell you where I lived. Because if I told you where I lived, you would then have the means of being able to get there. So think about this. If God does not want you to have something, he's not going to go ahead and tell you how to get it. You know, I get tickled with people that that would not think that that God would want somebody to um, be blessed in a financial sense. You know why I, 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 I find that hard to fathom that somebody would think that? Because if God did not want you to be blessed in the financial sense, he wouldn't have given you directions in his book on how to get there. So the word tells you something about God. It tells you what he wills. It tells you what he wants. But then besides that, you also have the specific direction that the Lord is giving to you for your life. Uh, you know, th- think of it like this, that if if the Lord specifically called you to live in a certain location and you knew it was him and that God wanted you to be in a certain geographical location because it had to do with his plan and purpose for you. And you said, well, a house is a house. So, I, I you know, I, well, what's what's wrong with a house somewhere else? You know, in another city or another town or another state. A house is a house. But if God wants you in a specific place, then anywhere else except that place, you would be out of his will. And if you went and asked him about it, you know, he would say, go back to what I told you to do. Or go back to what I said. You see that? So so if you want to know the will of God, the first place you look is the word of God, the written word of God. But then the second place you would look is the communication of the Holy Spirit within your own spirit. But even that will always be in line, in alignment with the word of God. So nobody uh, who says they're really hearing from God can say, well, uh, the Lord told me that I'm special and I can have more than one spouse. <laughs> or or, or that, that I, I can... Uh, um, I, Or the Lord gave me a special dispensation to be able to steal from the boss. No, he didn't. You lie, you fry. Come on now. (laughs) How do you know that's not him? Because it doesn't agree with the book. And he's not going to say one thing in the book and tell you another. Because the spirit of God that lives in you, that bears witness with you, is the very one who wrote the book. So what he communicates to you directly regarding his will concerning you 
is never going to go ahead and disagree with the book. It's always going to be right in alignment with the book. Hallelujah. So if we're asking according to his will, think about this. In this context of prayer, we know that we know that we're going before him with something that we already know is his will. We already know what he said about it. It's clear. There's no doubt about it. That's why this is the confidence that we have in him. That's why you can be confident. You've already approached him with the confidence of the fact that you stand there with no other means except by the blood of Jesus. So that blood's made you righteous. You can stand before him. You've got confidence there, but now you've got more confidence because the request you're making of him, once you appear before him, once you stand before him, is not based on some wild idea you had. You can say, Lord, I'm asking this of you because I know you'll want me to have it because you said so. Hallelujah. Because you said so. <laughs> And it says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, at this point here, you may not even have the petitions in your possession. Physically speaking, at this point here, you may not yet have the, the final outcome of those petitions in your possession, but you have confidence in him. You've asked according to his will. You've found out what's in the word. You know what he wants you to have, and you've asked accordingly. And then what do you know? You know he hears you. And then if you know that he hears you, just based on that alone, you know that you have the petitions that you desired of him. So, how do you know you've got the petitions? Because you know that he heard you. How do you know that he heard you? Because you asked according to his will. So let's take it backwards. So, how do I know that I have the petitions that I've asked of him? I know that because I know he heard me. How do I know that he heard me? Because I asked something in line with his will. I knew his will. I asked in line with his will. Therefore, I know he hears me. Therefore, I know I've got it. And that's a point where you can be before, like I said, you even have the petition in your possession. Glory to God forever. Now, let me deal with a very common paradigm that people have about prayer. A lot of times people would think, well, you ask for something, and if God wants you to have it, he gives it to you. And if you don't get it, then God must not have wanted you to have it. There's a whole lot of problems with that theory, somebody. Come on now. Especially in the light of what we're seeing here in the Word tonight. Because the Bible talks about things that can derail the prayer. And if your prayer is derailed and you're thinking, well, God must not want me to have it, you can be thinking something about God that is absolutely not true. So the test is not, well, I threw up a prayer, and if I get it, God must have wanted me to have it, and if not, then he must not wanted me to have it. But the test for the will of God is not throwing up a prayer and seeing what happens. The test for the will of God is saying, what does God say about it? Because he's not holding out. The, the Bible says that he's made known the mystery of his will. Hallelujah. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the Bible is so clear that if you want to know the will of God and see the expression of what the Father wants, look at Jesus because Jesus is the perfect expression of what the Father's like and what the Father wants for his kids. 
So you want to determine the will of God. That's how you determine the will of God. And I say, well, I guess God didn't want me to have it because if he wanted me to have it, then I would just have it. Because somebody with that kind of thinking also, like I said, they're not aware that something can derail their prayer. Something like unbelief. There's no cognizance and awareness that unbelief might derail my prayer. That rather than praying in faith, I'm praying in fear rather than in faith. Or, or also the fact that, uh, that there, there's no awareness that, uh, like we said, the, the faith car runs on love gas. And so you're here standing before the Lord making requests. And God's been talking to you about letting somebody off the hook who offended you eight years ago, whatever, and you're still, and you're still mad at them as anything and not letting it go. And the Lord says, what can I do? I'm not clogging the pipe. This stuff, this bitterness and unforgiveness and failure to love is the thing that's clogging the pipe. I want to get this to you, but there's a clog in the pipe. And if you get the clog out of the pipe, then that, that, that petition can come through and arrive in your hands, on your lap. But uh, uh, until it's dealt with, we got a problem here. It's not my failure of a desire to get it to you. There's something clogging the pipe. So do you look at prayer as, well, I just asked for something and if I get it, God must have wanted me to have it. And if I don't, well, he just didn't want me to have it. Or do you find out what God wants before you go and ask for it? So that you know when you're asking that you're already in alignment with his will. So that when you ask him, you're asking according to his will because you did the research to find out what his will was. Then you ask in line with what he wants you to have. And then you know you've got it and you know you've got it so much that you know you've got it even before you see it. You know you've got it even before your petition is your possession. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at some other scripture. This is pretty amazing. So we just read about asking according to his will, right? Well, let's read this verse back to back with it and and uh, we're, we're going to have some pretty good enlightenment here. John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And I said, wait a minute, Pastor. I know about asking about what the Lord desires for me, but now we're going to ask him what you desire. How can Jesus go out on the limb and make a statement like that? Well, this is how he can go out on the limb because he qualified that by saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. What's his will? His will is his word. When his word abides in you, it has an impact on your desire. When his word abides in you, you're not going to go ahead and want wild and crazy things that aren't good for you. No, you're going to want to have the same stuff that God wants you to have. The word has an impact on you. When his word abides in you, um, uh, it's like this, that God, uh, um, I believe it's Philippians uh, 2, that, that says that it is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So think about that, that, that the very same will that God has for you when you get the word inside of you, you're allowing God to work in you and you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you and you're abiding in him. You're staying close. You're staying tight and letting that word abide in you. You know what's happening? You're starting to want the same stuff he wants. So Jesus did not think it was a risky thing to be able to say to you that under these circumstances, you can ask what you desire because if you're under these circumstances, you are desiring the very same thing he desires for you. Wow. Hallelujah. So though you're asking what you desire, 
You're asking what he desires because your desires and his desires are right in agreement and in alignment under this, uh, uh, this circumstance here. Now, I just want to go ahead and uh, plant a few uh, thoughts and, and good prayer principles here. Because now that we are approaching God, we know that we belong. We know we're invited. We know we're welcome. We know that the king has held up the scepter of righteousness and said, come on in. So now, here we are in a position to make requests of him. What does he say? Well, it's interesting that here, what we're going to look at in a minute, he tells you, the very first thing that you need to pay attention to, and we're going to, it's amazing how this will all tie in together. But James chapter 1, I want to look at this. We'll start with, with verse 5, go through verse 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the context here, what's he asking for? Verse 5 said he's asking for wisdom. So here's a man realizing, I lack wisdom. I need it. I'm going to ask, ask it of God. I know God wants me to have it. And you can see that wording there that uh, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. God's not even stingy with it. No, he'll just pour it out on you. He'll liberally give it to you. But how do you ask? Verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So, talking about a confident prayer life. And we saw in 1 John 5 that one of the first things we need to do is find out what God wants us to have. You find out what he wants you to have uh, you know, by, by seeing it in his word. You, you, you know, if God said he wants me to have that, that's his will for me. I can ask in alignment with that. Here, the way it words it is that when you ask, let him or her ask in faith with no doubting. So, let's go ahead and do this for the sake of an example. So, this table here, this is faith. All right? So, right now, when I'm making contact with this table, I'm in faith. So let's say I'm over here somewhere and I've got something that I need to talk to God about. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw up a prayer right away because I have a need. But I am not sure that I am really rooted in my faith about this thing. Should I ask now? No, because I'm not in faith. Let him ask in faith. Let's say I'm over here, and I have a need. I mean, there's no doubt there's a need, and it might even be urgent. So should I just throw something out there, or should I make sure that I get myself in faith? How? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if I'm going to go ahead and make requests in a certain area, I can hear or speak to myself, or hear messages on what the Lord says about that particular thing to build my faith, to build my confidence, to, to build my confidence that there is no doubt about it in the whole universe. This is what he wants me to have. And then what happens as you do that? You're in faith. And when you're in faith, you can ask. But if you're not in faith yet, don't ask. Get in faith. Well, how do you get in faith? That's how. The word is the source of faith. 
As a matter of fact, um, Kenneth E. Hagan, a, a, a great uh, mentor to so many, uh, and Pastor John and Anita and myself and, and so many others, people that were taught under him directly and many taught under him indirectly. But he would always make this statement regarding faith, that faith begins where the will of God is known. And that's something of just sinking in to knowing the will of God and finding scriptures that, that just absolutely lay out the case. There's no doubt about it. This is what God wants me to have. What does that do? That, that is your foundation of faith. That's as though you were going before God and laying out a case. And the case that you laid out before him is based on his very own statement. Hallelujah. And you can stand before him and remind him that he himself said, My covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the word that's gone forth out of my lips. Hallelujah. He's a God who keeps covenant and shows mercy. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Oh, somebody need to help me out here tonight. And you just get into that zone of not only affirming the fact that God wants you to have this thing, but you're also affirming things about the character of the one you're talking to. You know, Sarah in Scripture, the, the Bible says, and it, this is a good verse to remember, 1111. Someone say 1111. Hebrews 11.11, remember this about Sarah. That Sarah, it said she, and this was Abraham's wife, up in years. I didn't say old, she said just way up in years and, and, and without a child. And it said that through faith, she received strength to conceive seed when she was past the age of conceiving. And how? Because she judged him faithful who promised. So when you're getting into faith, you're not just stirring yourself up about what God said. You're stirring yourself up about the reliability and the infinite promise-keeping character of the one who spoke the word. Thank God for the promise, but if the promise came from somebody whose character wasn't good, <laughs> it wouldn't go... I, I, I mean, never mind not going far. It wouldn't go anywhere, would it? To go two feet off the ground. But because of the fact that his character is good, because of the fact that it is impossible for God to lie, because of the fact that uh, that God is not a man that he should lie, and he's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, shall he not do it? If he's spoken it, shall he not make it good? What are you doing? You're getting in faith. Not just faith about the promise, but faith about the promiser, faith in the promiser, and in the infinite integrity of the one who made that promise to you. Hallelujah. So, let him ask in faith without doubting. So sometimes, and I'm going to put this out to you, sometimes we've been too quick to pray about something and we've not laid any groundwork. Come on. We've not laid any groundwork. We just said, all right, here's the need. Let's go get it. But the thing is, is that this, this idea of asking in faith signifies to me that if I'm not in faith, don't bother asking. If I'm not in faith, it's not time to ask yet. I need to get in faith because I'm not just in this mad rush to throw up a prayer. I do want results. And the scripture says here that if you get into doubting, What's it say about the one who doubts? Verse 6, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7 says, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. Well, I tell you, we're not praying to not receive something from the Lord. The whole purpose of our praying is to receive from the Lord. 
So if, we, if our purpose in praying is to receive, let's do it the way he said to do it. Hallelujah. So many things we could do. I haven't even touched Mark 11. And Lord knows man, we could have a whole lot of fun there. But uh, I, I want to do this as we're wrapping up. We got three minutes left before we're going to close out tonight. I want you to go to Matthew 7. We'll close out there. And we're going to go ahead and continue on the idea of the character of the one that we're talking to. And how that is a faith builder and a confidence builder. Because we're talking about confidence. And our confidence is in him. So Matthew 7. (coughs) And we'll start with verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I love that definitive language. There's no loopholes there. No buts, ifs, ands. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish Will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So think about this. We're considering the the character of the one that we're approaching, the one to whom we're praying the one to whom we're making requests. And there is nothing in our mind that would think that if we asked him for bread that he would give us so. There's nothing about us that think that, that if we were to ask for a fish that he'd give us a serpent instead. You know, I've heard people make statements like, well, I asked the Lord to heal me of this, uh, to, to give me healing for this or, or whatever uh, the, the condition is. And the Lord in his infinite wisdom decided to give me the sickness instead. People actually believe that stuff. How many of you have ever come across anybody that believes stuff like that or has said stuff like that? Raise your hand high. There's a whole lot of hands in the house. Because that kind of stuff is out there. That is not the character of our God. That's not the character of the Father. Jesus said it himself. When you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. What does James say? James says that every good gift and perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights. And with him there's no, there's no varying. There's no variation. Not even a shadow of turning. So not only can we talk about how good God is. And how wonderful God is. To his children. And the fact that he would never pull off anything like that. And give you something bad when you're asking for something good and helpful. But also the fact that the way God's character is now is the way God's character always has been and it is the way God's character always will be because there's no variation in him, there's no varying in him, not even a shadow of turning, not even the eensy-deensy little possibility that he might do something different. No, the way he does it is the way he does it and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I trust you've been blessed and stirred up, especially in your prayer life, to know that you belong approaching him, that you can have confidence to approach him regarding anything because you're not coming there based on anything that you did. You're approaching him on the basis of the blood of Jesus. He himself provided the way for us to come in. And then when we go in, we can pray with confidence. And some of the things we've gotten into tonight, I believe can be very... uh, beneficial to you and directing your prayer life in the right direction. Glory to God. Where, where something that might have been a guessing game before is no longer a guessing game. 
where, where you're being very, very diligent and very particular about how you pray and what you pray because of the things that we've heard tonight. I believe God will use that to really, really uh, take you places in your prayer life that you've not been before. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Lord, I pray for everybody here. Lord, that they are uh, tuned into you, tuned into your spirit. And that as they're leaving this place tonight, and as those who are tuned into the live stream, as they're moving on with their night, that they're not just going ahead and uh, uh, just uh, back to the motions and going with the, the motions and going through the motions. But Lord, that they are very much aware of the word that they've heard tonight and that they're putting it into practice with diligence and with sincerity and seeing amazing fruit in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.